Hey everybody, Matt Hardman here with another episode of the Race Nerd Podcast right here on CKCC Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I, I apologize if if my um, if my audio feed's a little screwed up. I'm not feeling that great, so I had to pull the mic a little further away from me. Uh, it is certainly sinus. Uh, Sinus infection season. That's what I meant to say. Um, I apologize for that little delay. Uh, so I don't know how long this episode is going to be because if I start sneezing or I start getting the sniffles or if I start getting stuffy, I'm actually going to stop. Uh, I had actually recorded one episode already, believe it or not. Uh, and that one was short, but there was a lot I didn't get to and I felt bad. So I wanted to re-record it. Um, if you are hearing that episode, I, um, uh, I do apologize, because uh, that is, one, a shorter episode, and two, I cut a lot of stuff out of that one, um, and this microphone's bouncing around, and I am in the car as usual, you know, playing, playing Uber and delivery driver and taxi and all that fun shit, so, um, anyway, we got a lot to talk about, um, I'm not gonna do a pop quiz nose this week. Um, but, uh, because I, we had one bit of news that kind of overshadowed everything. Um, not really overshadowed it, but the day after the title, it kind of took some luster off what we got to talk about. Uh, but we have four new champions, four first-time champions crowned at Phoenix this weekend. Uh, Jesse Love Jr. Uh, wins the... Arkham Menards West Series title. I don't know much about Jesse Love Jr. or the Arkham Menards title. Um, or, you know, all I know is that it was the largest field that they've had in quite some time racing at Phoenix, and that Ty Gibbs walks away with the win. Um, I do know that uh, in the Truck Series, Ben Rhodes, who started off the season hot, picks up his first. Uh, not his first W, but his first title after picking up two wins early in the season, both at Daytona, one at the at the Super Speedway and one on the road course there at Daytona International. Um, Daniel Hemrick, who, uh, if we went through the list of everything that makes Daniel Hemrick's title so amazing just on the weekend alone let alone what he had been through his entire career I mean this is kind of insane and the fact that he was able to not only win his first career race in any of NASCAR's top three series after being so close I mean literally he has 10 runner-up finishes before his first career uh, Xfinity win uh, which is second all-time, and actually he is tied for second with NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett, if that tells you anything. But uh, Hemrick, whose car was got to the track with just 30 minutes to spare before um, practice, uh, because their hauler broke down in Texas on the way out to Phoenix, and they ended up borrowing a trailer from um, a World of Outlaw team. Uh, just to get the car to the track on time. 
so um, that was pretty huge. They were cutting it rather close, you know. Um, you know, as I said, Hemrick had gone all season and all career for that part without a win. Um, picks up his first win in a last lap, last turn move on defending series champion Austin Sindrick. Uh, then we move on to Sunday's race, um, which would be defined by the four drivers. Um, th all three of the four got a chance to lead in this race, um, but at the end of the day, the man who could claim the title is uh, the one driver who probably had the biggest um, the biggest question mark coming into the season, and that was Kyle Larson. Can Kyle Larson duplicate what he did uh, while he was suspended in NASCAR? Would he be able to duplicate uh, what he was doing on the dirt tracks, uh, just win and dominate? Um, and, well, he does. Ten wins in the season. His first Cup Series championship, uh, beating out Martin Truex Jr., uh, who was looking for his second championship and his first championship with Joe Gibbs. Um, he was hoping to be in that rare class of drivers who have won championships with different teams. Uh, beat out teammate Chase Elliott, who is looking to go back-to-back. In -back. looking to beat out Denny Hamlin, who is the winningest NASCAR driver um, in, in Cup Series history without a title. Um, that's pretty huge. Uh, but Larson wins, um, does all that. And, and finally, finally... Um, broke through that brass ceiling, uh, or that glass ceiling, not brass. Uh, he grabbed that brass ring, broke through that glass ceiling, which he had for many years over at Chip Ganassi Racing. Everybody knew he was talented. Um, then, um, then he just, you know, was able to finally put it all together. And, um, it, it, it was such a, such a, a feel-good moment for everybody who supported Kyle Larson. Then all the adulation came through as... Sorry, trying to devour breakfast right now while doing all this. Um, adulation came through. Tony Stewart um, congratulating him, calling him the best driver he's ever seen. And that right there is probably some of the highest praise you could ever get as a race car driver. Not, not just a NASCAR driver, but as a race driver, period. Um, because this is Tony Stewart. This guy has competed in just about every form of motorsport, from NASCAR to the World of Outlaws to... Um, the USAC Midget Series uh, to um, IndyCar. This is, you know, he's competed against some of the best in the world. He's competed against Formula One champions and the such. And um, to hear that, that is, that is, that is some high praise right there.
Um, but uh, not just praise from Tony, but praise from um, Mario Andretti. If there's ever one driver that is um, synonymous with auto racing, not just in the U.S., but worldwide, um, it would be Tony, uh, it would be Mario Andretti. Um, so this is kind of a huge deal, very huge, and um, I, I really do appreciate that. And uh, not just all the praise, but I mean, it was a very joyous thing. I mean, I don't think we'll ever, people will ever live down, and I know, and I know it's hurt um, Larson's career in the short term, you know, obviously last year and um, going into this year finding sponsorship for Larson, but for many years um, for now, I think that, you know, his situation that got him suspended from NASCAR is going to hinder it a little bit, but having that, um, that gamble that Rick Hendrick uh, put on and um, HendrickCars.com is uh, his online shopping company uh, for automobiles. Um, I think they're going to be the biggest winners in all this. Um, I'm sure right now, um, up there in Dearborn, Michigan, Ford is kicking themselves in the ass. Um, because, if you remember right, Tony Stewart has really pushed to sign um, Kyle Larson. I really, really pushed to sign Kyle Larson. And it wasn't Gene Haas, his, um, his partner at Stuart Haas Racing, that nixed the whole deal. It was, um, it was Ford. Ford did not want to be associated with this, did not want the bad press. Um, unlike Chevy, who, much like, um, Rick Hendrick monitored um, Larson's progress in the, um, you know, in everything uh, from, you know, his, his quote-unquote rehabilitation, his uh, sensitivity training and all. Um, but, uh, you know, Chevy really stuck by him. Rick Hendrick really stuck by him. They, they set uh, guidelines and expectations for Kyle. Um, both on the track and off the track. And I, I think that they really became the winners in this. Um, the biggest loser of this whole, this whole thing and Kyle Larson seeing it. But I'm sure it brings him a kind of satisfaction is Chip Ganassi. If you remember right, um, Larson had all this talent um, and wanted to work his way up the ladder. Uh, but but teams like Roush Fenway and um, <coughs> excuse me um, Roush Fenway and Joe Gibbs and all these other Xfinity teams wanted um, Larson to provide sponsorship dollars uh, for him to get this break at a ride. But it was Ganassi who who saw the talent and said, "We will find sponsors." For you just to get you in a car and that's what they did um, them and you know Turner Motorsports or 
Turner Scott Motorsports or whatever it was at the time, they they took that gamble. They took that gamble on Kyle Larson, and it is paid off tremendously. Um, so major major props to them, and and it's fitting that Larson's Cup Series championship would be on the same day that Chip Ganassi Racing uh, would field their final entry in the NASCAR. And uh, that one, that one's a little hard to believe because um, Chip Ganassi Racing dates all the way back to 1989 when Felix Sabatis, the original owner of the team, uh, went down to Daytona with Kyle Petty and Pika Antifreeze. Granted, they didn't qualify for that first race. Um, Eddie Bierschweil um, qualified his car and got peak and um, got peak money as sponsor and Kyle Petty hopping on um, to release drive later in that Daytona 500 but from then on that 42 car was a part of the field and um, you know then in 2000 it was announced that Felix would sell majority of his team uh, to Chip. They would go into a partnership, and yeah, I know Chip would buy out uh, Felix and eventually, you know, merge with um, a DEI, then eventually buy them out. Um, but this team had been around, and not seeing the 42 at the track every week is going to be a little little bit of an adjustment. We all know that teams come and go in sports, you know, players come and go. But this one's going to feel a little weird, um, especially where they were um, a big thing. And I know Felix certainly wasn't a, um, a shy owner. <laughs> uh, do yourself a favor. Um, Go and Google some of the Felix Sabata stories. I like the time he promised Kyle Petty uh, if he got the Unicall uh, 76 challenge for winning the pole and the race at Rockingham, he would buy him a Rolls Royce. Or the time that um, Felix felt that um, NASCAR was giving preferential treatment uh, to Dale Earnhardt in uh, 96, I believe it was. And uh, the next week after being penalized, showed up with the Coors Light car uh, painted up in the same colors as um, Earnhardt's Goodwrench car uh, with the phrase, it's all fair in love and racing um, in Spanish on the sides. Um, it's he's a character, and Chip Ganassi himself is no character. So it, it's it. I we're you know I think that may be a little bit of a shift in the garage. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen that with um, Jack Roush selling uh, part of his team to uh, Fenway Racing and our Fenway Sports, and then. Um, now adding Brad Keselowski to the ownership group of that team, um, so we, you know, we have all that. Um, there's a lot of questions up in the air, and hopefully we'll be able to answer them on the off season. Like, what does Ryan Newman do? 
was um, was Phoenix's final cup race, um, which ironically is the same place where he started his first cup race back in 2000. Ironically, I believe even even the same day. Um, we had, um, you know, what happens to drivers like Ryan Priest and Matt Benedetto? Um, we'll find out more about those on the off season. You know, Michael McDowell, Anthony Alfredo. Um, we'll, we'll discuss those as they happen. Um, but before we get to the other part of big news, I, I do want to touch on two great post-championship post, um, celebrations. Um, you know, being Kyle Larson's big win, you know, you'd expect it, and it did happen. His wife, Caitlin, shotgunning a beer. Um, this has become a, 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 a typical cup victory lane thing. Uh, I don't know how much this year due to COVID, um, but um, Caitlin, uh, his wife, is known for shotgunning a beer in Victory Lane uh, while Kyle was racing her, uh, uh, you know, and I always heard the jokes, how ladylike and all, or um, picture her hanging out with Clint Boyer, who shotgunned a beer in Victory Lane, um, but I, I think, it, I, th I thought it was kind of funny. And um, Ben Rhodes, his um, post-race press conference is hilarious. Um, I, I I knew Ben had some personality, but I think this one he just finally let it all go, and all the relief and all the stress he'd put himself under through, throughout his career, um, he was finally able to let it go. So I, I thought those were great. And one final great thing was... Um, Brad Kislowski, after getting out of his car at Phoenix, um, asked crew chief Jeremy Bowens uh, for the Miller Cup. Now, for those of you who don't know or are tuning in, you know, really haven't, you know, listened to this show a whole lot, the Miller Cup is the... Um, the giant drinking glass that um, Brad Keselowski famously drank out of after winning his 2012 title with Penske Racing. And at the time, he was sponsored by Miller Brewing Company. So he would devour a whole thing of beer and be a little tipsy. Um, but... Uh, at the end of Sunday's Phoenix race, he, um, he asked for that same mug and some beers, um, and he celebrated with his team on pit lane uh, 12 years, um, a championship, many, many races together, um, put together a Hall of Fame-worthy career uh, with Team Penske. Our, and um, while he's moving on this next chapter of his life, there is a great picture online of um, Brad with the beer sitting next to his two teammates, uh, Joey Logano 
and Ryan Blaney. And I know that Brad and Joey have had their issues in the past, but it was good to see uh, Team Penske, love them or not, um, together one last time. And uh, I know I've been hard on Brad and Joey in the past, but I, I think this is a, a great moment because while I may be hard on them, I've always been a Team Penske guy um, growing up. I was a Team Penske fan in IndyCar, and um, obviously when he came back to NASCAR, I was already a Rusty, a huge Rusty Wallace fan. I mean, this really amped my excitement up, um, you know, so when you drive the Blue Deuce, I may not like you, but you certainly have all my respect um, and hats off to uh, what was a great career at Petski Racing, and I'm actually intrigued on how um, Brad will do in the sixth car at Roush Fenway. Um, one last bit of news, and this is actually why I decided to re-record this episode, feeling shitty and all, um, and that is the announcement that Speedway Motorsports Incorporated, SMI, uh, the parent company that owns multiple tracks like Texas, and Charlotte, uh, Las Vegas, Sonoma, uh, New Hampshire, um, they have purchased a $131 million agreement to buy Dover Motorsports. Um, Dover Motorsports is the entity that owns uh, Dover Down Speedway uh, in Delaware. They also own the Nashville Super Speedway, uh, where NASCAR had returned. Uh, they also own Gateway, uh, where NASCAR's Cup Series will be making their long-awaited debut uh, after being a, a Truck Series and uh, previously uh, Xfinity Series stop in the Midwest for many, many years. Um, they also own Memphis Speedway, which I believe is just in mothballs right now. I don't believe that track is going to be torn down. But I find it interesting that this news comes out um, after we get the announced schedule. Obviously, Nashville um, returning to it in 2022, and now Gateway returning to it. Um, obviously, Dover losing one of their dates for... Um, the gateway race. I think that this is going to be very interesting um, because we're getting down to the point where we only have one track on the schedule that is not owned by either uh, SMI or um, NASCAR's sister company ISC, um, which is Pocono Raceway, which is still owned by the the, uh, the descendants of um, uh, the Matoli family, uh, Joseph and Rose Matoli, who found who built the track in the late '60s, early '70s. I think that um, that it's very interesting that this has happened um, because for a long time, Marcus Smith in the city of Nashville were in the works to open up the Fairground Speedway. I'm wondering, was this purchased as a backup plan for, um, for um, in case the fairgrounds falls through? Because 
they're having some pushback on that um, while there is progress. And then how does that play in with other tracks? Because as Steve Phillips pointed out in his State of the Sport, which uh, I'm not going to talk about this week. Um, I'll talk about that next week. Um, that the attendance for Texas was very disappointing. While the Texas for Kansas was a little disappointing, um, that was also weather-related. Um, but uh, Texas was disappointing. And we have seen that Texas had already lost one race. So maybe this is another way to keep um, that from hemorrhaging money. Uh, but it, I find it very, very, very interesting on the timing of this. Um, so we will have yet to see how this all plays out. Um, I know that the offer has been made. I don't know um, with all the shareholders what is going to happen. You know, this deal may get next, and this may be nothing but just chatter at this point. Um, but a announcement has been made that they are in the process of purchasing Dover Motorsports um, and their track entities. So, anyway, with that said, I'm going to uh, I'm going to leave you this week, and um, hopefully, by you know, I'll have another episode up and going i was hoping to have one um where i don't sound like shit so uh until next time i'm matt hardman and i will see you at the track bye